Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Thibaut. And I'm Ara. Every week, we interview thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics, or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever, yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to know more about our sales training and coaching programs, go to www.saleslabs.io. It's www.saleslabs.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. So hi, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. So today's guest, uh, you've actually seen his face, heard his voice everywhere on LinkedIn. It seems to be like, yeah, he seems to be like everywhere. Um, so it's uh, Alex Ole, who's the co-founder of ReachDesk. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, I didn't realize I was, I was all over LinkedIn, but uh, sounds like all that, that hard work uh, in the background has been paying off. Yeah, exactly. That's great. You know, you're top of mind, so it's, uh, it's great. So um, yeah, so today we're gonna we're gonna talk about how you you went from co-founder to SDR, which is actually the other way around. Normally people say, oh, I became SDR, you know, and then became co-founder, but in your case that was the opposite. But can you maybe talk about a bit about yourself, who you are, your background, before we dive into uh, the topic? Sure. Well, <clears throat> let's let's kind of start there, right? I I've spent about eleven years in sort of the the tech industry. I actually kind of fell into it by accident in many ways. I'd been uh, at law school and I kind of tried the legal route a little bit, uh, but I fell into startups by accident and I started as an SDR. Okay. Right? So I started day one, I was just given a list and a phone and I just had to call people. So it was kind okay. of very little training. It was like, go after these guys and see if you can sell some stuff. And, and it kind of worked, uh, but those days were very different from now, right? So I spent, I spent um, a while at different businesses um, and we sort of started reach desk because it was a problem we wanted to solve uh, ourselves. Right? We're all B2B sales and marketing professionals. And um, we wanted to start a business that really helped those guys break through the noise. So reach desk is a company that allows you to, um, we, we say create the moments that matter within the, 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 the sales and marketing by our journey, by sending personalized physical direct mail, e-gifts, lots of other means so that you can really break through the noise and create a relationship with your, um, with your prospects and customers okay um can you so it seems to a lot of people are, are going like through law school or whatever and then they end up in business so can you maybe tell me about that and, and why you decided to just uh, uh not continue in the the law area basically yeah it was it was actually very obvious um if you compare a law firm to a SaaS company right mm -hmm. it's just they're just more people but there's so much that that, that sets them apart. What, what I didn't like about law firms is there was no sort of, there were no real values. Um, there were no, there was no sort of common goal, right? There was, it's very sort of hierarchical in many ways. You do your 20 years and you become partner. Mm -hmm. Where it's like sales, particularly like SaaS companies, the ones that I've spent most of my time in, everyone's kind of equal, right? Everyone mm -hmm. listens, we all collaborate. We all have this common goal. We're all trying to drive towards doing the same thing. And every person has a, a real value and importance within the business. I, I wasn't getting that as a lawyer. I was just, you know, you, you bill your hours, you do your time and you help your clients. Whereas in like a, in like a particular tech company, um, 
you have that common goal, you have that sort of sense of achievement together when you close that deal. It's not just the salesperson that's ringing the bell. It's the SDR who opened the door. It's the marketing team that helped you sort of accelerate it. It's the product and the engineering team who built the product, right? It's the people that keep the employees happy. Everyone has that purpose. Um, I just got kind of fed up. Like sales is, a, is, is an awesome career, as is being a lawyer. But what I value most is that common goal and being part of a business where you can knit everyone together, create that alignment and, and build something great. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's uh... I totally feel that. And something that I find really surprising, you know, it's uh, with, with like professions like lawyers or uh, tax lawyers or everything is the, the relationship they have to winning new business. Um, in sales, you know, in tech sales, we often, you know, you build something new and whenever you close that customer, this net new logo, it's, it's insanely great, you know, and the lawyer is just like, oh, new business, no matter what, they actually can't do anything without us. So it's, uh, <laughs> for me, it's just like, I hate this. I mean, especially in Germany, people don't really have a sense of service. I've, I'm lucky I got a lawyer who speaks German and English and has a good sense of service. But most of the time, they just, they know you're captive from a, a system and they just send you their bills and uh, they don't even make you sign a contract or whatever. They just say, yeah, come to me. You know, you go there, they give you coffee and they, they charge you like 300 bucks an hour. And So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's very different. Yeah, awesome. Well, I think, uh, yeah, th th those are my main reasons. And I've kind of never looked back. When I was um, at school and university, it was always like, hey, you'd be a really good lawyer. You're very competitive, you like winning, um, all those things. They're kind of like looking for the wrong attributes. I wish yeah. someone had said, by the way, it's okay to get into sales. Like, yeah. These are all the things you can gain. And actually, you can end up running a business. You can end up starting something. I've learned far more from being in sales than I have uh, as, a, as, a, as a lawyer. And uh, we started ReachDesk uh, back in 2018. And that was based on all the things that I'd learned from being in sales. So, um, yeah, ne never look back, really. Okay, good. So uh, uh, talking about like um, ReachDesk and, uh, and recently you switched to becoming an SDR. Can you tell me a bit more about that and why you decided to do that? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's worth clarifying, obviously. Um, I didn't do the, the, the full-time SDR job, but what I, what I did do is I kind of put myself back in the shoes of, of, of an SDR. We actually call them BDRs at Reach Desk. Yeah. Um, that was actually specific to this pandemic hitting. Right? So three months ago today, I was actually um, JFK Airport. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, I got a notification on, um, on my phone saying you need to go back to the UK. So I had to get to the airport, try and get on a flight. and I started thinking, well, what's going to change now? Like, everyone's talking about closing their offices for the next couple of months. And for us as a business, we would normally be sending direct mail and gifts and things to people's offices. So I was thinking, we use that product a lot ourselves to, uh, to actually to, to sell our product, right? It's the obvious thing. And I thought, well, how on earth are our BDR team going to actually be able to sell that? I don't know the answers. I can't sit down with them and say, I think you should do these things. Um, kind of wanted to test it myself so that I could sort of be in the trenches with them in a sense, right? Um, they, they, you know, they're doing the, the full-time BDR role. I was doing it for a couple of hours a day. But I was thinking, you know, what's the difference when I pick up a phone? Do I, how do I have a different conversation so that if I know that, I can coach my, my, my reps and my team and say, this is the difference. These are the tweaks we need to make. And I did that pretty much week one. And that was partly triggered by the fact I saw LinkedIn was blowing up with this word empathy. Everyone was saying, you just need to be empathetic. Like people are in difficult positions. Um, yeah, this is a tricky time. A lot of people are being let go. 
And I was like, but I teach people to lead with empathy anyway. So I'm, I'm not going to add anything to that. They were like, we already are empathetic. We always have that mantra of what's in it for me from the prospect side of things. So we always try and put ourselves in their shoes so that we can prospect them and talk the same language they're talking. So for me, it was around being able to really understand how people react to things, how people react to a cold call, an email, what response rates are like, how our product would work, um, so that I could sit down with our team and we could all talk together and share our feedback and say, here's how we're going to get better uh, and continue to generate pipeline through this, this difficult time. Okay. Okay. I see. And so <clears throat> that's also something I've experienced myself. So I don't have a, a BDR SDR team, but um, before the pandemic, things were coming very easily in inbound, you know, it was very easy. And then uh, for a lot of reasons, it didn't, you know, like people that need more sales training now than ever, but they have no more budget. So uh, you need to be really proactive and, and um, in, in like, yeah, have strong intentions when you're doing cold outreach. And so I jumped back into it like seriously and uh and that was super interesting so so was was and it also was super tough at the beginning how was it for you and then just getting started yeah, it was really hard right and I, I actually decided to run some of my own deals as well right mm -hmm. so the ones i was prospecting i would run the deals too so i could help the sales team it wasn't just about being um, a bdr um some of them i had one where i'd you know, spoken to this prospect they were really interested it could fix a problem that they, they need solving. And then unfortunately that whole team got let go. Right? So yeah. you have an opportunity and they were ready to sign. So I had to like re-prospect the account. Yeah. But there's no one to prospect, but you know that there's a deal there. So mm -hmm. I ended up calling like the legal team and saying that, like, have you got an agreement there? And they were saying no. And I sort of multi-threaded, you know, I spoke to about 40 people in the business via multiple different channels. And what I learned was if you do it in the right way, but you kind of really take that multi-thread approach and, and try and target different personas, different seniority levels, actually there's more opportunity than you think. And actually what we realized is that other teams were thinking about using us. So it was mm -hmm. the customer success team, whereas actually normally it would be like the sales and marketing team. So it was really difficult when, when you have to have those hard conversations, but you know, we've still got to keep the lights on. We've got to still keep growing. The most beneficial thing was it, it made me learn certain things about how we could change our, our product a little bit. So it actually helped us innovate. Um, so yeah, it, it was tough. We saw email response rates dive, but at the same time, we saw phone connect rates go up. Mm -hmm. like we were, so we've invested more in, like, in the technologies that allow us to be better at calling. We noticed that people were, were more available to have a conversation. Like they weren't in physical meetings and offices. They would pick up their phone a lot quicker. So we've zoned in a lot more on, on like the, um, I hate calling it cold calling, but the mm -hmm. you know, outbound calling uh, because the connect rates were, were so much higher. Okay. Is this still the case right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think part of that is because, um, you know, you know we, we have a product that people can use during these times, but um, I think a lot of businesses are telling people not to call, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, yeah. the amount of volume has gone down, so the opportunity is really there. I'm telling other businesses to, to keep doing that. Um, yeah. One thing I, I noticed quite really well is what I call the double dial. Uh, you call someone, they don't pick up, you call immediately afterwards um, and leave a voicemail, right? But usually the idea is that if someone sees their phone ring and they sees it ring again, they'll pick up the phone. Yeah. Right? So that, that one thing has allowed us to have more conversations. And if they don't pick up, you leave them a voicemail, send them a LinkedIn follow-up, uh, usually via video, because we find that's worked really well yeah. to sort of build that, that personal connection. But 
um, phone connection rates are working really well. And it's, ju it's just about persistence, right? Um, you, you're always in sales going to get someone who doesn't want to speak to you. Yeah. That hasn't changed. It's about how you open up the conversation. And we've just changed it. Small things like, hey, how you been? That's like the opening line each time because that's empathetic. It's also a very human and like natural way to ask someone how they've been so that you can open up a conversation. And most of the time right now, they, they're at home. Right? Yeah. So they've got, if, if I'm answering the phone, I've probably got 15 minutes to talk to you. Yeah. And I'm not really speaking to that many people. So let's have a conversation. So yeah. it's worked really well. The, the, the phone channel has actually picked up massively. Okay. Yeah, that's very interesting. There's, there was a post last week of uh, Josh Brown. He was saying uh, there was one sentence they used in the call calling script was like, how are you feeling tonight when you start this? And, and it kind of increased the, like the close rate like crazy because he talks about, you know, it's not like, hey, do you have five minutes or it's how are you feeling tonight? And that, that's something I've experienced not so much in uh, call calling, but right now I'm doing a lot of procedures with like, uh, administ like different kind of administrations in Switzerland and Germany. And every time I go and I get someone on the phone, I say, how are you doing today? And they're like, huh? Because everyone's like, send me some papers. Where? And then, I'm doing great. I say, oh, great. And then they're always very happy to give me the right information. And, and so I think it's, uh, yeah, as you say, le le like, you know, prospecting with empathy and just asking these questions. And I'm not asking it just to trick, but just because I know it will, you know, it will like uh, build a better relationship. And then, you know, bo both will be happier with what, you know, with the outcome, basically. I, I totally agree. And the other reason why we do that is because it allows you to be reactive. Right? One of the things that doesn't get taught anymore is the tone. Mm -hmm. The tone of your voice can be the thing that makes you even more human. If you can teach reps, you know, if someone says, have you been, oh, you know, not too good, actually. You have to react to it. You go, oh, right. I'm mm -hmm. sorry to hear that. You know, whereas if they're like, great. Oh, awesome. Great. So what, you know, what's been, what's been working for you? your reaction in that tone yeah. is also the thing that helps you optimize that conversation. Yeah. Right? So that opener allows you to dictate how you as an individual need to react to that individual situation. And the best cold callers uh, I've, I've worked with are people that are usually like actors or from a creative background who can actually um, adapt on the spot. But if you can teach your reps that, then that opener that you teach them and the follow-up in terms of how the tone reacts is a really important part mm. because that's how you build that sort of human side to it. How do you train that? You, uh, you do a lot of role-playing. Um, so role-play is really important. Um, when, when, when we were in the office, I used to train people to do that back-to-back role-playing. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't look at the person. You'd actually sit back-to-back because -back you, you're listening. You're listening for the right things. Yeah. And you're listening to your own voice. You're not sort of distracted by their face. Um, we've started doing it via via Zoom. It's a bit different, but uh, yeah, role play is is yeah. that is that thing that I think has been left behind a little bit, and mm -hmm. we're we're trying to do it uh, at least every week at the moment. Okay, okay, good. And so, um, in in terms of uh, you you told you said that you started as an SDR, you had a list, a phone, and uh, you had to just like call this list. So, what are the big differences you see now in prospecting, like now in twenty twenty versus like ten years ago? All right, so you've got to think about what's changed, right? The businesses like the, the sales lofts and the outreaches of the world have really allowed us to, to take more of a multi-channel approach, but mm -hmm. we don't have desk phones anymore, really. Very few, unless you're part of a larger enterprise. Most people have mobile phones or they work through Slack or something. Um, so that's one thing that's changed that's meant we've had to adapt. 
um, the email channel has become a lot more saturated and LinkedIn is being used kind of dishonestly in some ways. So mm -hmm. what, what we really zone in on now, and this is my advice to any business, is really try and reduce that level of automation. Yeah. Right. Take it down as much as possible. I was speaking to a company the other day and they said, we automate 90% uh, of our emails. Mm -hmm. uh, that is just email one and the rest of it will automate it. Then we automate uh, LinkedIn messages and, and, and connection requests. And what that does is it makes you become very generic. And the message that's been miscommunicated is you need to take a multi-channel approach. What that says to sales leaders is you need to hit people on as many channels as possible. But we've only got so many hours in the day. So what we actually need to do is just automate a lot of it. But that spray and pray approach still doesn't hold true. So the approach that I think is best is you create this sort of persona-led conversation that applies to all channels, right? You, you focus on the problems that you solve, mm -hmm. right? The value that someone can obtain and you make it all about them. And that allows you to have a framework based on your personas and the individuals and some, some research criteria to say, right, this is how I'm going to personalize it through LinkedIn. Yeah. So I'm going to personalize it via the phone. It's always a similar message. It's just slightly reframed based on the channel that you're going to use. Mm -hmm. okay? okay. So it needs to be across multiple channels. The core ones now are obviously email, phone, LinkedIn. For us, it's direct mail um, as well and gifting. Um, but every step has to be personalized. It can't just be generic. We all know when to spot when an email is generic and automated. Mm -hmm. We all know when to spot when that LinkedIn connection request says, hey, I'd like to connect with you. And then it's followed up by that simple, really long sales pitch and a, mm -hmm. and a link to the calendar. It doesn't yeah. work. You've got to say those things like, hey, I noticed you had Trevor from Noms on your podcast the other mm -hmm. week. I loved his five-step process that he took us through. Um, I'd like to discuss X, Y, Z because we can help add value here. Uh, is this of interest to you, right? Mm -hmm. You can't do the, the automated generic fluff. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to make it about them and make it relevant and contextual across multiple channels and that framework will allow you to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's something, you know, that I think is always the biggest problem I see in sales development organizations is that first, there's not, not a clear understanding of the ICP. So like someone did some ICP somewhere some years ago, so it's there and you're like, okay, that's more or less that. So no one's refining the ICP. They actually don't find problems. So they don't approach with like uh, with problem oriented. They just think about their features. And they don't use triggers, these things that you said, you know, where you have to find triggers and it's so easy to find triggers lately. And you have different kind of levels of triggers. For me, I call that the macro triggers or, you know, like for example, a lot of companies, they, they were relying on marketing budgets to generate inbound leads. Everyone's got fired in marketing, marketing budgets can be cut by half. So there's no more inbound leads. So everyone's going back to outbound, big problem. So for, for a lot of them, so it's always taking this approach and, um, And yeah, I think, as you said, it's weird because we really can detect if something is automated or just a template. And uh, when you make the effort of just like, you know, picking this information, I think it's not that complicated anymore because you have all the data on LinkedIn, on so many other tools. I think that's, that's make, making a huge difference. And, uh, and in the end, it's really about um, selling the meeting you know they say i i read a gong article about that is you you're not trying to sell them something you're just you know having a small strategy of small steps so you land the meeting and uh i think this this is this capacity of strategizing when you're doing outreach that is super important yeah i i, I posted something on linkedin the other day about exactly the same right sell the meeting uh, is uh particularly for an outbound sales rep we try and think too much about the qualification mm -hmm. right? we try and think about like 
let's say you know, I used to sell a, um, a product which generally you'd, you'd be in a contract for like three years. So we're really trying to drive into that. Do, are they in a three-year contract? And you can't cold call someone and say, hey, are you still in a three-year contract with this person, with this um, existing supplier, by the way? Because if not, then I don't really want to talk to you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to flip it on its head and say, these are all the things that we can do for you. Is this, like, these are all the problems that generally our customers are, are, are faced with. Right? Yeah. Is that of interest for you to learn more about that? If so, why don't we find a time to speak, right? Yeah. And then during that meeting, they say, oh, you know what? We're in that contract for another six months. You've built pipeline to start addressing that conversation in three months' time when you can keep ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. So don't always think about the here and now. How do I put something in which is qualified right now? You've got to build for the future. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's really about um, yeah, grabbing the attention, being creative and relevant. And then when you get the attention, people want to get something from you and then you push back. It's like you get it if you go into a meeting. So it's, um, that's, you know, that's also something I've seen is, is not often trained is we often train people to kind of like get the, I mean, we say, okay, go and optimize to get answers. But often this in between where you get someone to answer, but they're not totally convinced to take the call with you. And this is where you have to be really skilled to be doing a proper kind of like discovery, let's say on LinkedIn or whatever, by chatting. And then finding a way to, to get this hook and, and block this thing. Because what I find horrible is when someone's just getting in touch with me and say, here's my calendar link, book a time with me. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's like, it's convenient for you. It's convenient for me, but I need to really uh, know what I'm going to, you know, what's going to be the value of me investing time in this kind of a quick meeting. Yeah. And then there's, there is the flip side of it. Obviously, you've got to be careful. Uh, you mentioned the ICP earlier if you're just booking meetings to get numbers on the board and then the account executive who runs the, the, the actual meeting later on, depending on how you do it on a discovery or a demo, if they're noticing that it's really bad quality, then obviously you've got to address a different issue. Mm-hmm. But if you get your ideal customer profile right, that's not hard. If you've got more than 50 customers, it's not hard to do. Mm-hmm. You can build a whole ICP and say, these are the guys you need to go after, target account lists, yeah. book meetings with these people sell the meeting and you, you should drive that volume quite quickly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in terms of tools you've been using, um, becoming a BDR. So can you tell me a bit more about that and, uh, yeah, how, how you, how the organization is running like that? Yeah. So we actually, we try and keep everything under one hood. So we, we're, we're quite obsessed with obviously data first. So, mm-hmm. uh, we use a number of different tools, um, there's sort of uh, lead IQs, there's Lusher, there's a company called Orbital, um, who we use for like more contact data side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we use that like, a lot of intent data, like G2 reviews, who's looking at our, our, our reviews page mm-hmm. on G2. So we can see that and go, actually, these guys uh, are actually reviewing the pricing page of our reviews. So that's intent data that we yeah. can put in there. Um, so we, 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 and there are loads of other data tools that we use. Um, a really cool one called ample market which i think mm-hmm. everyone should be checking out which allows you to like pull like lists for kind of like a sort of a zoom info type thing mm-hmm. uh, so we have like a, a central data matrix that we kind of put together and that all flows into hubspot mm-hmm. so we use hubspot sequences um and within that obviously you can use email phone uh, vidyard is integrated we use linkedin video and voice notes as well mm-hmm. to kind of create that multi-channel approach and of course reach desk uh for like the the, the direct mail and, and um, e-gifting side of things so those are the main channels that we use. Uh, but from then, from the moment something happens in HubSpot, it's all in there. That's our CRM, it's our marketing automation, it's where all the triggers for intent data happens. Um, so we have it all in one hood. So there's no kind of silos in terms of how we operate. Yeah. 
That's very interesting. You know, it's, I think this is a, a while ago, you know, if you were, you know, you had, you had call calling as a, as the, the main source or emails and that's it. And now, you know, I think if you want to have a successful sales development organization, you need to invest in these tools because all the intern data, as you said on G2, um, all the, you know, all these things that give you an indication someone is actually in a certain step of the buyer's journey is so important. And uh, without it, you just, yeah, everyone else is investing in that and you're losing, you know, without it. So, so I think it's so important to have the right tools actually in your, in your organization. Do you, do you also use stuff like Gong or Refract or this kind of thing to um, analyze your calls? Not, not yet. We are looking into those side of things. Um, we, you know, we, this time last year we had zero BDRs, right? I think we've mm-hmm. got like nine now. Yeah. Um, so, so we, we're kind of getting to that point where we need to start li- looking into the, the listening side of things, obviously, so we can do more coaching. Um, you mentioned intent data there. Uh, there, there are different types. We also use um, lead feeder, so mm-hmm. we can see which accounts are active on our website, uh, as well as the sales team be able to see uh, closed lost deals from like three months ago. Are they coming back to our website? And mm-hmm. that, that gets triggered as well. Um, but no, we're not using any, any call intelligence just yet, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm certainly looking into it. So if anyone from Gong, Refract or Chorus is listening, then uh, feel free to hit me up. Use that as a good trigger. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> a, that's a good thing. Okay. Um, and so in terms of skills, uh, so you said you, you have nine BDRs now. So um, what do you think are the important skills for them to make sure they keep their jobs? So what I'm saying keep their jobs is not that... Um, uh, they're going to be kicked out, but it, that robots will take care, care of their jobs. Because right now you see it a lot. Like if you can send automated emails or just like if everything you can do can be done by a robot, you actually will use your, your job for sure. So what are the skills they need to invest on right now so they make sure they can still have a job in five years? I, I think more in terms of attributes, to be honest. And one thing robots will never be able to replace is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a key thing that we, we test for when we're hiring. Also something that we really can try and zone in on to that, um, you know, you can't really teach curiosity, but it's a really important attribute. Curiosity is important for sales reps because the ones that ask the best questions, are the ones that genuinely want to know the answer. So, so being curious about your prospect and wanting to understand more and learn allows salespeople to make it about their prospect. So mm-hmm. curiosity is something that will never be able to be replaced by AI or anything. It's yeah. that human connection, right? You've got to have a really high work ethic. Uh, you've got to <laughs> sales isn't difficult it's hard yeah right it's not rocket science but there is a science to it you have to work hard you know what your inputs are so work mm-hmm. ethic is a really important thing and again that that's quite a natural talent that most people do but you can help them structure their weeks a little bit more so they can know what they're doing um obviously they've got to have the right drive and motivation but they've got you know, intelligence is another thing that, that, that we test for um and if you've had a previous job, we're looking to prior success. But I think the main one for me, the best sales reps who I've worked with are both curious and creative. They mm-hmm. want to ask the right questions. They want to do those creative things that allow that prospect to feel like they're being treated differently. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think yeah, curiosity is super important. Creativity is, is, is also, I think, very important. And for me, there's one thing I think is, is key is to actually start experimenting when you're prospecting. So as a BDR, your job should be to build prospecting experiments. I've done one uh, on Monday where I've just like asked like a, poll, a LinkedIn poll on the, uh, um, you know, on, on like the price I should, I should ask for an online course. And so my assumption was like, okay, I'm going to divert the attention of people on the price. So I'm going to make sure they kind of engage. But what matters to me is not so much the price, but is to collect leads. 
So I got 60 answers now and it's exactly in my SCP. You know, it's like everyone and they gave me like how much they are willing to pay for something. So now I can get in touch and say, great, you know, like that's the price you voted for. Can we have a conversation on how we, we can get there? And so I know I, I collected 60, maybe I'll have like six or 10 calls with these guys. But you know, it's something that would have taken me like a week to get into, a, you know, sending automated emails or whatever. And so I think it's really about being able to craft these experiments, do rapid experimentation, and then you'll find some crazy things because that's what I say often is like prospecting is a bit like warfare where you develop a weapon and then people are surprised by this weapon and then they kind of develop a, the, like a countermeasure or whatever and then you have to redevelop a new one. And so if you, if you keep experimenting, you'll always find new ways to, to get in touch with someone and, and grab their attention. Yeah, I love, I love that idea of experimentation. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, uh, if we look back three months ago, Everyone was like, oh, this is an amazing thing. LinkedIn voice notes. Yeah. It was there all the time. And now everyone's like, okay, we're using LinkedIn voice notes. What's next? Oh, LinkedIn video. Great. That's another thing, right? Now everyone's using that. So you can't just sort of go, let's use that for the next year. You've yeah. got to almost change it every month. And you know, I like that warfare analogy. Um, who knows what's going to be next? We, it might be VR prospecting. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a, uh, you could use fax, for example, and if you're, if you're selling to really old organizations, like our governments, use fax, uh, you know, like a lot of people are, are using that. In the US, there are so many big corporates that are still uh, like running with fax, and no one's, I mean, it's there. So there, there are, you know, there, there's so many different things. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it just, it, it's about experimenting, trying different things, being curious, as you said, because if you you grab some, you know, for example, for me, I like watching different kind of YouTube videos and whatever. And, uh, and, and you have so all different kind of things. And then you, you kind of start understanding the creativity that is in there and you can just like borrow that, you know, in your domain. And, um, yeah, I think, I think this is really curiosity is, is really key in that job. I'd say. I love which, that fact. Which is yeah. surprising. It's surprising that, you know, it's say, okay, you're, you're going to be BDR. Like five years ago for me, it was just like, okay, you need to be able to call, call, you know, but no, actually, mm. you need to be curious. So it makes the job more interesting, I think. 100%. Yeah. And, and so, so if a BDR had to prospect you right now, um, to sell you whatever, what should be the best way they should approach you? I mean, I make it very easy. Um, <laughs> anything that I post on LinkedIn, if you use those methods, I'll be open to it. Right? Um, mm. I got prospected to by three people yesterday, and I, and I took all their meetings because they were like, I saw you sent this tip about the, the double dial and I'm double dialing you. And they sent me a WhatsApp afterwards saying, I just double dialed you. Here's what I want to talk, talk to you about. So I quite enjoyed that. So if you want to look into how to prospect me, yeah, look at my LinkedIn posts. But ultimately, um, yeah, some people refer to me as the mailman, right? <laughs> send me a letter or something. Send me something in the post. Uh, I know it's a bit tricky right now. Um, but the best way not to land a meeting with me is to send me a really generic templated email or um, that automated LinkedIn message. If you send something to me personalized, which actually might solve a problem that I could be looking into, I'll always take that meeting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's, always, it's always the same. It's about if they, they target it properly, if they understand that what problem. So for me, as I'll always say, you have to show that you have an understanding of their business reality or business problem. So I don't know, as you said, you know, if, if you are, developing and investing heavily on your BDR team. There are so many things that you could be, could be working on with and maybe you don't even know about them. And so, you know, but like understanding that you have these problems you're trying to solve or that whenever you have like, you go from zero to nine BDRs in one year, 
there's a ton of problems you, you're gonna have and uh, you face them every day and if someone shows they have this understanding it's much better than showing a feature or whatever because yeah that's a focused on problem i'd say yeah I, I received an email the other day from someone who said here's how we helped google solve this problem <laughs> but 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 google's been around a lot longer and they're one of the biggest companies in the world we haven't been around very long um why is what you did with google relevant to me and that was a critical mistake and it was just it, it was just a, a templated email so yeah. even when you try and put put social proof in there don't make it generic say i helped this other startup who uh, who grew from uh, two million to x million uh, by doing this if this is something that you'd be interested in because i noticed you've got nine bdrs and probably going to keep scaling would you be open to a meeting and ask that open-ended question i'd always reply with yes yeah exactly exactly okay um so so now actually i'd like to give you some time to kind of talk about uh whatever you want to pitch or talk or whatever so so yeah now the the stage is yours if you want to say anything about that yeah no i appreciate that um i think for me right now we're trying to change the way people feel i i've always said to my team it's not what you said or what you did it's how you made them feel mm -hmm. um ReachDesk is designed for SDRs, sales and marketing teams to really create a relationship, change the way people feel by using sort of personalized gifting, by using those experiential programs um, that are all built within your sales force, your outreach, your sales loft systems, mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is you use. Um, and it's working better than ever before, yeah, particularly during this pandemic. Um, we've been growing faster than, than ever. Um, so if anyone wants to take a look into, into how that can help build pipeline and accelerate deals and keep customers, then, then we're open to having a conversation. Okay. So what's, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Do you still, do you still take inbound leads yourself? <laughs> um, I haven't taken an inbound lead for a while. I give that to the other guys who are probably going to work it better than, than me, but, um, look, I'm very open. My email is alex at reachdesk.com. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn and send me a message there, then that's all good, but uh, those are the best two ways to reach me. Okay. Yeah. So I'll include the uh, LinkedIn, po like LinkedIn, uh, your LinkedIn profile and the ReachDesk uh, website. Um, and yeah, I'd say if you're in sales and you really want to make sure your, your cadence and prospecting sequences are great, just go and check ReachDesk. Reach are you working only in Europe or also all around the world? All around the world. So we've got half of our team is now in the US. So they're oh. based in New York. Um, and we've recently opened up in, uh, in APAC as well um, by starting in Australia. So all of Europe, um, APAC in the US. Okay, sweet. Good. So yeah, no excuse to not check ReachDesk. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks a lot, Alex. That was super interesting to have you there. Um, and yeah, I wish you good luck. And I hope you'll be, we'll be able to meet in person and travel very soon. That'll be a day I'm looking forward to. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks.